And so Jesus knew that, that uh, uh, we weren't going to be able to do all these things. And so before he left, what did he do? Well, he made us the promise. He made us a promise uh, that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And, and uh, we saw this promise in the book of Acts chapter 1. This isn't our primary text. If you want to turn to where we're going to be, we're going to be in John chapter 14, the gospel of John chapter 14 today. But we saw this promise in Acts chapter 1 as we studied verse 4 and 5. Jesus said this. He said, wait for the gift that my father, what? He promised us Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, he baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so what was the promise? Frank's the only one paying attention at this point. Uh, the promise was the Holy Spirit. That is the promise that we've been given. And, and so this morning, uh, we're going to see where Jesus teaches us uh, about this promise of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John chapter 14. And all throughout this series, we're going to be digging into these two things, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does, okay? And what that means for us as followers uh, of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to see Jesus uh, give us a template uh, if you will, that we can use over these next, next few weeks. This morning is going to be more of like a 30,000-foot overview uh, of what we're going to be talking about as the, the Holy Spirit. T today is, is more of an introduction to the promise, but over the next few weeks, I assure you, we'll be digging in a little deeper. And I know in talking about the Holy Spirit, I know this. I understand that we have a diverse congregation, all right? And a lot of us were raised differently. I know that we have people that were raised in, in, in many different denominations. Uh, you know, some were raised Catholic. We, we just have a wide variety of people that are a part of this church now, and I'm grateful for that, honestly, because we can learn a lot from each other about these different ideas and ways that we were raised and things that we were taught. And, and so the irony of it is this. The Holy Spirit was promised to, to the church to, do, to basically unite us, right? We were promised this gift of the Holy Spirit that would bring unity to the body of Christ. And I find it interesting that all these different ideas about the Holy Spirit today cause so much division in the church. People think different things about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does and what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. And, and so this thing that God gave us to bring unity to the church is actually caused division in the church. And so here's what I'm asking you to do in, these, in this series. I want you to just kind of set, uh, you know, all of these things aside that may cause division amongst us. And, and what I want you to challenge you to do is just open your heart while we're in this series. Open your mind over these next few week, weeks to what God is going to say to us through his word, Okay. Let's just look at what God's Word says to us about the Holy Spirit. Be open to that. Be open to the experience that He wants us to have and the fullness of His Spirit in our, our lives. And so it, it, that's what I'm praying for us. I, here's what I want for you, and I believe God wants for you as well. And I think it's best illustrated uh, in a story that I read not long ago. Uh, it said, years ago, a southern plantation owner left $50,000 inheritance to a former slave that had served him faithfully all his life. Now, keep in mind, this was about 150 years ago. So today, that would be kind of the equivalent to about half a million dollars. Okay, so it's a lot. I think any of us would be 
you know, willing to accept uh, half a million dollars today. And, and so what happened was the estate's lawyer notified this former slave of his inheritance. He notified him and, and, and informed him that this money had been deposited at a local bank in his name. And he could go and draw from this money or take it all out in one lump sum or however he wanted to do it. But it was there and it was available. Several weeks went by and the former slave had never shown up to the bank to draw uh, any of the money or to even inquire about it. Several years had gone by and finally a banker contacted the, uh, this slave and told him, he said, hey, listen, this $50,000 that you inherited is still in the bank. It's still here, still available for you to use anytime you need any of it. You, you just let us know or you come and see us and, and it's available to you. And the slave responded to the banker and he said, do you think that you might could, could spare me 50 cents to be able to buy some cornmeal this week? You know, and I believe that this story illustrates so many people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ today. I believe so many uh, of us today, we don't grasp what has been made available to us. We don't fully understand the deposit that has been made in our account, in our name, and we can draw on it at any time we want to draw on it. And I don't think we understand what is available to us as the church and as followers of Jesus Christ. The goodness, the fellowship that is available there, the power that is available to us, it's all there and it's been deposited into our account and we have the ability and the freedom to withdraw anytime we want to do that. It's almost as if we have a half a million dollars in the gospel available to us, but all we simply seem to be satisfied with is 50 cents worth, right? And so today I want to begin this series at the first place where Jesus began to teach about this concept of the Holy Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life. And I just want to encourage you today as we go through this to remember this is all available to you, right? Your account has been filled, it's got your name on it, and it's fully available to you today, amen? Thank you for saying amen. This morning, boy, I, I got to preaching this morning. I hadn't started preaching yet, but I got to preaching this morning, and that 8.30 service sometimes just makes you want to bang your head. Don't tell them I said it. But I was like, I stopped, and they were just all sitting there going. And I was like, somebody say amen, because that was good. And somebody did just a courtesy golf, you know. Amen. Somebody, a guy came up to me after the 830 service, and he said, well, I was saying amen in my heart. He said, I was raised in a church where you just didn't make any noise or say anything. And I said, well, I was raised in a church where people said amen, and I'm the preacher, so it's okay. All right? It's all right. It helps. John 14, we're going to pick it up at verse 16. And, and uh, if you have uh, your Bible there this morning, you'll see it has different headings over different passages of Scripture. You see the promise here. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. So this, uh, this is the night before Jesus is to be killed, right? This is the day before he's going to go to the cross for you and for me. And he says this in verse 16. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be 
in you. And now don't miss this in verse 17. Jesus says, for he lives with you. What is that? That's present tense, right? That's present tense. So who's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus. You know, he was with them. He had been living among them. And then he says, and will be in you, which is what? Future tense, right? He's talking about what is to come, and he's referring to here the Holy Spirit. And then verse 18, he goes on to say, and I love this verse so much. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, right? Folks, that's an, that, that's an awesome promise for you and for me, right? He didn't just leave us here uh, abandoned and alone as orphans in this world. He says, I'm, I, I'm going to come to you. And then Jesus, he, he confuses them a little bit. And I, I, I believe he does this intentionally here. Look at verse 19. He says, before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 22, then Judas, I'm not talking about Judas Iscariot here, okay, this is good Judas, not bad Judas. All right, we, we have a, a, in our church, some of you may not be aware of this, but we have a good Justin and a bad Justin, or a mean Justin and a nice Justin. I'm not sure which it is, but I'll let you figure that out. You just go, all the people you know named Justin, and you'll figure it out pretty quick. All right, this is good Ju Judas, not bad Judas. But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching for my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Verse 25, Jesus says, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. All right, now like I said earlier, today's going to be a high-level overview. Uh, but I want to point out what Jesus is saying here. This passage that we just read is telling us two primary things this morning. Number one, it's telling us who the Holy Spirit is. And number two, it's telling us what the Holy Spirit does. Okay? So first this morning, let's look at who the Holy Spirit is. And we can go back to verse 16 and see Jesus says the Holy Spirit is another advocate. All right? We're going to look at this a little more in depth here in just a little bit. But this is a reference to the fact that the Spirit is God. All right? And like Jesus. Which is, of course, where we get the reference that we talk about in church, the Holy Trinity. Okay, and, and I understand that the Trinity is sometimes hard for us to wrap our minds around. A lot of people have a, different, a lot of different ideas about the Trinity and what the Trinity is. Uh, the Trinity is hard to understand. It's even harder to explain. Uh, I've been in church all my life, been a minister for over 20 years. I still find it difficult to try to explain to people to where they can understand it. But the doctrine is basically this. There is one God who has existed e eternally for, uh, in three different persons. Okay, since the beginning of time all the way through eternity, it's one God who has existed in three persons. 
persons. And, and look at the different ways that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in this passage right here. It's almost contradictory what he says. Jesus is saying here, I'm going away. All right? So he's telling them, I'm about to leave. Tomorrow, gone. And, and then he says, then he, the Holy Spirit, will come to dwell with you. Now, there's a distinction there, right? I'm leaving, he's coming. But then he says in verse 18, and talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he says, I will come to you. He's messing with them, right? That's what he's doing. So it's not him who is coming, but it is him who is coming. Right? Or, or how about this one in verse 23? Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So in the Spirit, don't miss this, you also get the Father, and you also get the Son. Right? The Father and the Son and the Spirit are distinct persons. So we talk about them separately. We can talk about them separately, but they are all still God. Okay, so in having one, you have the presence of all three. So does that make anybody else's head hurt right now? All right, I mean, it's hard to wrap our minds around. I'm not very smart, but this is just really hard for us to understand sometimes. But here's the deal. I've learned, and I want to encourage you about this right here. Don't get hung up on trying to figure out things that you cannot understand. All right, I think a lot of times we just get bogged down in the mud on something that we can't grasp or something that we can't comprehend. And so we spend a lot of time, we waste a lot of effort dwelling on things that we will never understand this side of heaven. But listen, but instead, here's what we need to do. We just need to experience God as he has revealed himself to us. All right, why don't we just, why don't we just withdraw what he's deposited, huh? That we already know is available. I mean, that, that, that's what we can get a hold of this morning is what's already been deposited in our account, not, not, not what is outside that account that we may not understand or even know about. But instead, we just need to experience what God has revealed and what we do understand uh, to us. So the God who sits on the highest throne is what? God the Father. The God uh, that we see with our eyes is God the Son, or the Word, and the God that we feel moving in our spirit is God the Spirit, three in one, all right? One in three. And listen, the one in the middle died for me, and the one on the end lives inside of me. That's who the Holy Spirit is, all right? So that's who the Holy Spirit is. So what does the Holy Spirit do? What the Holy Spirit does, and again, we're going to be digging into this much deeper over the next few weeks. <clears throat> I went to Boston, or I don't know if it was Boston or Maine, and they gave me something up there, and I've still got it. And so, uh, excuse me if my voice gets a little ratty here. <clears throat> We're going to, but like I said, we're, going to, we're looking at what the Holy Spirit does now. And the first thing that we see here, the first thing I want us to look at here that the Holy Spirit does is what we saw there in verse number 26. The Holy Spirit gives us inspiration and it gives us understanding. Look at what it says there. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. 
All right, so this verse is a promise of two different things for two different groups of people. For the apostles, for the apostles here in this passage, it's a promise of inspiration to them. He promised what? To bring back to their memories, you know, flawlessly all that Jesus had done and be able to clarify it and record it. All right, that's, that's what he's saying. One of the questions that people sometimes have uh, uh, about the Bible is how can we trust what we know men have written? You know, how can we trust that? Because no man is perfect, right? And, you know, people were saying, well, maybe they didn't get it right, or maybe they didn't understand, or maybe they were hard of hearing and they misheard or, or, or whatever, and they wrote it down wrong. Well, what's the promise here? What's the promise that he's making to the apostles here? This shows us that Jesus promised supernaturally to guide their minds and give them clarity as they wrote. And as they recorded these things, the Bible is the simultaneous work of man and the work of God. That, that's why I, I love each book reflects the personality of its author. I, I mean, you just see that there. You see how these men and their personalities. The book of Peter sounds just like Peter. The writings of Paul sound just like Paul. Right? And if I had been selected to write a book in the Bible, it would have been filled with dumb humor, stories about Andes and dislike for cats. I mean, you would have just been able to see this personality of me, you know, in the writings that I would have. But seriously, and y'all quit Facebooking me these messages that say people who own cats are smarter. Seriously? But seriously. <laughs> Satan's like a roaring lion. Cat. But seriously, each, each book has the personality of the author, but is also the Word of God. It is the truth. And so what you hold in your hands this morning, whether it be a paper copy of the Bible or a digital copy of the Bible, it is a reliable record of of Jesus's work. Okay? It's reliable because Jesus promised that he would guide the apostles to accurately record it. Think about it. What good would it have been for Jesus to have come to this earth and died on the cross if there wasn't a reliable record of it? You know, and, and so the to the apostles it was a promise of that, of inspiration. But what's the promise for us? For for the church, for for you? Well, it's a promise of understanding, to, to be able to understand the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you this, the Holy Spirit is not revealing new things to people today, okay? Uh, don't come up to me and tell me that God revealed something new to you that can't be backed up with the Word of God, because that just doesn't happen, okay? He's not going to reveal something new to us that has never been revealed before in his word. Don't miss this. The Holy Spirit is here to help us understand what is already there, right? He's here there to help us understand. And you may think, you know, you may be sitting there thinking today, you know, I've really never felt like the Holy Spirit was working in my life. I've never really, uh, uh, I've been able to identify something that the Holy Spirit was doing in my life. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And I'll prove it to you because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3 says this, if you're really convinced in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
right? So if you've ever believed in Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is not a belief that you can have in your natural physical mind. You can only believe that and have that faith because of the Holy Spirit. So that's the Holy Spirit working in your life right there. So don't tell me you've never felt it or never experienced it, because you have. 2 Corinthians 2 says the natural man cannot even conceive spiritual things. A natural man without Christ can't you know, perceive things that are spiritual. That means that if you have been given any spiritual insight at all, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you can understand anything that's in God's Word. Right? That's the Holy Spirit that gives you understanding. And the Holy Spirit brings these things, all right, uh, and the Word of God to our remembrance during different times of our lives, maybe through different times of darkness or, or, or times of temptation. Some of you have experienced this. He is our help when we're sharing Christ with someone else. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus warned the disciples. He said, listen, there's a time coming. There's a day coming where you guys are going to be arrested and you're going to be dragged in front of the courts to give an account, to, to give your testimony or whatever. And he tells them, here's what he says. He said, don't worry in that hour about what you're going to say. Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about what you're going to say when this happens to you. He says, because the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what you need to say. The Holy Spirit will guide your words. And some of you have experienced this, right? And I know that I have. You, you know, you feel compelled to talk to someone about Jesus Christ, but you're just a little uneasy about it. You're a little nervous about it because you don't know exactly what you ought to say, and you don't know exactly where the conversation is going to go. And they may be a whole lot smarter than you. Right? And so you may not even be able to answer the questions that they ask you. I, 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 I remember, uh, that's me in every situation, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, I remember one time, though, I was being tasked with trying to talk to an atheist about uh, Jesus and trying to convince this atheist that there is a God and that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and, and this atheist, oh, by the way, just happened to be extremely educated, was an engineer, and probably had forgotten more uh, than I will ever in my life know. And I was extremely intimidated, but I was in the situation to where we were going to have to have this talk. And have this discussion. And I knew full well I could not defend uh, the questions that he had or answer the questions that he had. And I was like, God, this is you. And you know what happened? The conversation went as smooth as it could possibly go. And I walked away from that going, how in this world? <laughs> right? You know, I didn't know what to say. And God was just guiding it and leading it. And we were going through it. And some of you have experienced that. One preacher uh, described uh, that kind of scenario like this. He calls it the Michael Jordan philosophy of Christianity. Uh, someone one time asked Jordan if he knew before he jumped what he was going to do. They said, do you know before you jump what awesome donk or you know exactly what you're going to do when you get in there? He said, no, I just jump and then decide when I get there. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit does for you. Uh, there are times when we're put in situations where, we, you know, we've got to talk about Jesus or, or, or talk about the things of the Bible, and, and we'll be like, where in the world did that come from? Well, that's the Holy Spirit helping you. That's the Holy Spirit that does that for you. And I'm going to go away from my notes and tell you this. The Holy Spirit will not remind you of something you do not know. Okay? 
The Holy Spirit will remind you of the Scripture and the Word of God that you know. And so if you're never in the Word of God, and you're never studying the Word of God or memorizing the Word of God, don't expect the Holy Spirit to remind you of something that you have never read or ever studied or you don't know. All right? And so that's the importance of children's church. That's the importance of children's ministries. That's the importance of teen ministries. Because one of these days, the world or something is going to grab hold of our kids when they get a little older and going to shake them real good. And it better be the Word of God that spills out. All right? And we can't just do that here at church. That's your responsibility. All right? It's your responsibility to get them to church. And we're going to help you a couple hours a week if you'll get them here. But you've got them all the rest of the time. Right? And so that is the importance of being in God's Word. The Holy Spirit will remind you of what you have learned and what you have read in the Word of God. And that didn't cost you one dime. So he gives us the understanding of the Word, and he reminds us of the Word, and he helps us in those situations. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is this. He makes himself known. All right? He makes, verse 21 says, I will show myself to them. All right? That's part of the promise. He will show himself to us. He makes himself known. Some translations say that he manifests himself to us. Well, what does that mean? Well, manifest means that he makes us feel him. Okay? He, he doesn't just make himself known. He makes himself to where we can feel him and feel his presence. It's kind of like for those of us that have kids. And my kids, my boys know that I love them. Right? They know that I love them. There's no doubt about that. They've always known that I've loved them. There may have been a few days where they questioned it, but, but for the most part, my boys know that I love them. I mean, they've always known that I love them. So how did they learn that? How do they know that? Because they felt it. Right? They felt it. They felt it in how I've taken care of them. They felt it when they would get hurt or they would fall down and we would run to their side and pick them up and hold them and brush them off and, and, and hug on them. They felt that. And there's time, there are times in our lives when God's love is so real to you that it feels like a hug, like he's picking you up, dusting you off and say, you're going to be okay. It comes alive. That is the Holy Spirit, folks. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of God and His Spirit in your lives. And He says, I will make myself known and you will feel it. Isn't that awesome? That's how the Holy Spirit makes Himself known to us. Now let's go back to verse 16. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is He's our advocate. All right? So that's who He is and that's what He does. All right? He's our advocate. Other translations say counselor. Some translations say helper. Okay? Now, listen, an advocate, a counselor, what, what, do, they, what do they do? They help us, right? They're there to help us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit helps us. And so when your mind starts telling you that you've gone too far... Or, or you've been too bad for God to love you, the Holy Spirit speaks louder than that and says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Right? The Holy Spirit speaks louder and says nothing can separate you from the love of God. And he speaks louder and says, though your sins were like scarlet, I have made them white as snow. 
right? And, and when our circumstances somehow make us feel like God is not present or God is not there, or maybe God has somehow abandoned us, the Holy Spirit comes in and speaks over our circumstances and reminds us, oh, by the way, remember the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? And it's the Holy Spirit that reminds us how that passage of Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, or through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you, right? That's the Holy Spirit speaking these things into our life. That's the help that we have available to us. It's what the Holy Spirit does. He's our advocate. He's our helper, and he's our counselor. How many of you were in the Bible study Wednesday night? Well, I'm gonna close with this. I, I didn't. I'm out of breath. I didn't get to all the things that are here in this passage, but we will get there. But I want to close with this today, and it's this idea of Him being our counselor. Wednesday night crowd didn't know they're getting a preview. I kind of ended the service with where I was going with this service. But it's this idea of Jesus being our counselor always reminds me of the fact that Jesus is my lawyer. He's my defense attorney. <laughs> That's the counselor, right? And I shared this Wednesday night, but it's a beautiful picture that I have of Jesus as my counselor. And I want to go back to Romans chapter 8 uh, this morning. It's where we were studying Wednesday night. Romans chapter 8, pick it up at verse 31. What then shall we do in response to these things? If God is for us. Who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who judges, it's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God right now. And he's interceding for you. He's your counselor this morning. He's your lawyer. He's your defense attorney. And don't miss this. He's on your side. <laughs> and if God is for us, who can be against us? And I shared with them Wednesday night this picture that I picture when I read this passage. and It's this picture of a courtroom. And we're the defendants. 
Some of you have been there, the orange suit, the shackles, chains. <laughs> I never have. Been close. But we're standing there in the courtroom. God is the judge. Jesus is beside us as our counselor, our defense attorney. And we're guilty as all get out. We are guilty, and we know we are guilty. Right? Paul said earlier in the book of Romans, he said, every single one of us have fallen short. Every single one of us stand guilty before God. And the image that I picture here is of all the people who have known me in my past and know me now, filing into the courtroom and filing their complaints and pressing their charges. The times that I betrayed friends, the times that I betrayed family, the times when I lied, the times when I took something that wasn't mine. Every complaint, every charge is filed with the court. And the processors step up to condemn us for our failures. And as they do, we hang our head in shame because we know everything that's been said is true. Everything that's been presented before the court, guilty. We're condemned. We know we are. But after the case has been presented and the charges have been made, the judge gets up from the bench and he says I'm for you we stand there in our guilt in our chains and the judge says I'm on your side I'm for you he, he says I, I know that you did all of these things but I gave my son he, he gave his life my son, he took your sentence. My, my son, he paid your fine, right? He, he suffered your penalty. The penalty has been paid. And you, my child, you have been pardoned. I'm on your side. And the prosecutors and all the accusers, they're silenced because the judge has spoken. Jesus stands by your side still bearing the scars from the abuse that he took on the cross as a reminder to the court and to your accusers of the price that he paid. Do you feel that? Have you experienced that? Because this is what the Holy Spirit does for you. <laughs> He's standing there today. He's standing there today on our behalf. And He's real. And He is your helper. Folks, this is the promise. And God has never broke a promise. This is His promise to you today. He's deposited all this goodness into an account with your name on it. We have full access to it all. Why in the world would we settle for 50 cents worth when we could have it all?
So this morning as we close with a time of prayer and maybe this morning during our altar prayer that we have together here, you'd just like to come and thank Him for that promise today. You would like to thank Him for the help that He has given you through the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Maybe you'd like to bring something to the altar today. Maybe there's something that you've been praying about or something that's going on. And you just want to bring it to God today and say, Hey, I need that help. (laughs) I'm here to make a withdrawal. I know what's been deposited in my account, and I'm here. I'm ready to draw. I'm ready to draw. Maybe that's you this morning. I invite you to come right now. He promised that he would help you. So this morning, as, as we close in prayer, I invite you to come and pray together. Maybe there's something that you just need to bring to the throne in prayer. Maybe you need to bring your family. Maybe you just want to come today and pray over this prayer chest that's filled uh, with names of people that we're praying that the Holy Spirit would do a work in their life and they would accept that and receive that and come to know Him. But this morning, I invite you to come while we pray together before we go. Would you come? God, again, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your help. This morning, there are some folks that have come to this altar, and there are some folks that are sitting right there in their seat today that need some help. We've got many in our church that are battling illnesses and cancer and going through treatments and facing discouraging news and discouraging times and God thank you for reminding us today that you'll give us exactly what we need you're ever present you're with us on the mountaintop you're with us in the valley God I know that There's some in our community today that are experiencing great loss. There's been loved ones that we have lost and young people that far too soon have lost their lives. And so, God, we pray for those families today that are hurting so bad. There's no understanding there. I pray today would be the day that you would make yourself known, that they would feel your presence, that hug that we were talking about. They would know that you are real and they would know that you are their hope and you would wrap your loving arms around them today and be with them in every moment that they face in the days ahead. God, I thank you that you make yourself known. I thank you that we can feel you. I thank you that you have promised that we would know you and you would make yourself known. You've made yourself known here today and for that we praise you. It's through nothing that we've done. It's through what your Holy Spirit has been doing. God, I thank you today for this great reminder that we have that you're our advocate, you're our counselor, you're our helper, you're our defense attorney. 
<laughs> and we have been pardoned if we have accepted you and placed our faith in you. And I pray if there be anyone here today that's never experienced that, that today would be a day that they would, as they stand before you, they stand before the judge, that they would accept the verdict that you want to render to them and that they can be pardoned too, that today would be a day of pardoning in someone's life, that they would surrender their life to you and in turn, in doing that, receive your help, receive your forgiveness, receive all the goodness that you have for them in their lives. And so if there would be even just one person here today that's never done that, I pray today would be the day that they would do that, that they would surrender to you. And it's not that we're giving anything up. It's what we're going to receive when we do that. We just have to get out of the way. God, I pray for our other churches today that are gathered in this community. We're so blessed. I think we take it for granted. We have some amazing followers of Jesus in this community. And they're not all just Nazarenes. <laughs> they're scattered up and down this highway today, all around this community. So we pray for them. We pray that the Holy Spirit would have a freedom to work and would to do your will in their midst as well as ours. God, we thank you for the churches and what you're doing in them and through them. And we're grateful and thankful that we have partners to build your kingdom. And so we pray for those as well and God again we just want to tell you how much we love you how much we thank you for this awesome reminder today of exactly what you've done for us what's available to us what has been deposited in our account that we can receive and utilize at any time and I pray that we would be more dependent on you a lot of times we think we can handle it we can't do anything without your help. And you knew that. So that's why you gave us the help. You gave us the helper. So we thank you for that today. And we love you so much. Thank you for your awesome love for us. I pray now as we go from this place that we would be awesome representatives of who you are and quick to extend help, service, love, and mercy and grace to those around us and those that we come in contact with this week. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you.